0: Welcome back to another edition of On Deck. I am your host Greg. I am joined today, as always, by Nick. Today we're going to discuss a few different things, uh, most notably the Hall of Fame and kind of some bands and/or snubs that have been going on in the Hall of Fame. Five up-and-coming stars in the MLB, who they are and what they've kind of done to, to uh, be a rising star, and then we'll discuss at the end a major injury to uh, one significant player in baseball shout out to uh our friend preston ryan uh for coming up with today's topics uh, especially the hall of fame he kind of had a discussion with me about pete rose in the hall of fame and so that kind of led to picking that topic and going along with that so thank you preston for giving us some insight and some material to use so we're going to start off with talking about the Hall of Fame and snubs and bans. But first, I want to start with actually giving you guys a rundown of what it takes to actually get into the Hall of Fame and what it, the criteria for it is. So as stated, players are currently inducted into the Hall of Fame through election by either the Baseball Writers Association or the Veterans Committee, which now consists of four subcommittees, each of which considers and votes for candidates from a separate era of baseball. Candidates to be eligible must meet the following requirements. A, player, a baseball player must have been active as a baseball player in the major leagues at some point during the period beginning 20 years before and ending five years prior to election. Player must have played in at least 10 major league seasons. Players shall have ceased to be an active player in the major leagues at least five counts preceding the election but may otherwise be small so they can be a coach or something like that in the case of death of an active player or a player who has been retired for less than five full years the candidate who is otherwise eligible shall be eligible in the next regular election held at least six months after the date of death or after the end of the five-year period whichever comes first and This kind of leads to what we're going to discuss later with the bans and stuff. Any player on baseball's ineligible list shall not be eligible candidate. So we'll start off with, we've got roughly 10 players who we think that should be in the Hall of Fame, but kind of have been snubbed and or banned and some of the reasons behind it. So I'm going to start off with one guy, I think Thurman Munson. Uh, munson passed away in 1979 when a plane that he was piloting crashed he was a seven-time all-star won three gold gloves 1970 al rookie of the year and 1976 al mvp and he caught for two world series champions he was also a captain of the new york yankees well he quite hasn't built a hall of fame resume at the time of his death he was well on his way and definitely somebody who should be considered you know, you're part of championship teams. You're a captain of the Yankees. It's just one of those things that, you know, I really believe that he's a guy that should have possibly be considered for the the Hall of Fame committee. What do you think, Nick?
1: It's uh, super unfortunate that, you know, obviously you, you pass away kind of partially through your career there, especially if you're building up to that point where if you were to, you know, extend his average stat line out until probably when the average time that a player retires, and if he would have been sitting there right around a lot of people who have been inducted in the Hall of Fame, I do think that that yeah, he probably should be given an opportunity to be on the ballot and to be, to be voted in. I don't was he on the past ballot? I didn't see him on there.
0: yeah, I didn't see him on there either.
1: I didn't see him on there, so I don't know if I don't know if he was on the ballot in the in the past, and maybe he just didn't get that five per cent right around five per cent in order to be on but like you said, maybe maybe their reasoning behind it is just because he didn't play, you know, he didn't put together that full career and doesn't have that full stat line. And maybe they just don't view extending that out in the same way as maybe other people.
0: Yeah, and then that's what I, I definitely like about the Veterans Committee is that it, uh, it it takes players from different eras and, you know, farther back eras and kind of reevaluates what their stats were and we you know what their capabilities were and kinda of gives them that little extra push that that maybe they you know they needed so that's that hopefully something you know in his future uh the next we're going to talk about is sammy sosa sammy sosa is one of only nine men in major league history to have 600 career home runs but unfortunately he is part of this steroid area which you're going to see a trend in in this list of of players that have uh probably won't make it based on being part of the Mitchell report, uh, the steroid era baseball kind of tarnished their legacy and their careers. But he definitely, you know, you got to think at the time, you know, he was part of that Maguire what, was that 1998 season where they were in that home run race. And, you know, he, he brought popularity to baseball in so many calibers, you know, fantastic player, fantastic personality for, for, you know, not only major league baseball, but the Chicago Cubs and city of Chicago. And, and he, he helped put baseball on the map again, you know, when things were still not, you know, a hundred percent after the the strike season of 94, I believe, 93, 94, I forget which one. So, but again, that Mitchell report kind of snubbed him off and it's highly unlikely that he'll, he'll get on, but he's had the career even regardless of, steroids that that you would can be considered
1: i don't know I, I guess i guess when you kind of look at it it's like that whole um i think we talked about it with um with the whole sticky substance last last episode and whether or not some of these you know guys would have, they would start to slip off and then that that notion of of the the painting of their their legacy of, of, of the stats that they've been able to put up And this is kind of similar in a sense and even more deep rooted within baseball. And you can even say similar things about the, the sticky substances that pitchers use. The league did the same thing with the steroids. They didn't really police it as much. They didn't really make it out to be this big, huge thing until they needed to, until it was like, until somebody was breaking the home run record (laughs) every single game or every single, you know, month or whatever it may be. And they were kind of like, and all the fans were like, well, this is kind of weird. And, and it's just, and then they, and then they went and made a big deal about it. So it's kind of one of those like, you know, catch 22 things where you're like, yes, you technically probably shouldn't have been doing steroids, but at the same time, nobody really did anything about it until it was already kind of too far into some people's careers. So yeah, I can see why they're going to hold it against, you know, Sammy Sosa and some of the others that we're going to talk about later on the list. But at the same time, if it wasn't policed, it was something that was kind of like, hey, yeah, keep doing it because we like all these home runs. And it was a part of it was almost a part of the game, which is really kind of weird to say, because people will be like, well, whatever. but it was it was a part of the game. The steroids were part of the game. People using sticky substances was a part of the game. People knew that people were doing it. They didn't care. It was just it was just another thing that people did to play the game. So, like I said, it's kind of a catch-22 thing. In my opinion, if you look at it and you're like, you can be like, yeah, your stats are a little conflated because maybe you weren't juicing a little bit. But at the same time, he still did it. You know what I mean? So, what are you going to do? Tell him that he didn't do it because he still hit all those home runs.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Definitely an interesting thing to, to kind of look at. I mean, everybody has their own opinions on it, either side.
0: All right, next on uh, the list is Rafael Palmeiro. Uh, he, Palmeiro finished his career with 3,020 hits and 569 home runs. He's also part of the Mitchell report. The sad part is, is he was the poster child of the Mitchell report in Congress and being in front of Congress and defiantly, defiantly told Congress just before the season that he was not using. And then it comes out that he was, he just kind of had that egg on his face. Yeah. It really kind of, it, it, you know, at least with somebody else that we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, just said, I'd rather, you know, plead the fifth and not talk about it rather than somebody that just said, I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Oh, oh crap. I did do it.
1: <laughs> that sucks. Cause he definitely was probably like, they were like, yo, just, just lie about it. It won't come out. You're fine. You're good. He needs some news. That's some bad lawyers. Like that's like rule number one. Client doesn't talk or like just be quiet. I'll talk for you. But yeah, he's probably never gonna get on the ballot again. It's that stigma behind it. Especially since he kind of lied about it. It's it's different, it's different when you sit there and you go like, eh, yeah, sorry, than being like, nah, man, I didn't do it.
0: No. Yeah, when when oh. you're defiantly just no. saying saying it, it, it kind of like a little bit of a <laughs>
1: And he's like, nah, man, not me. I didn't do that. That's not me. Oh, oh wait. Yep. Huh. That was me. And then you like you find out about it from another person and you're like, man, why didn't you just say something? Yeah, he's definitely not getting on the ballot.
0: Yeah. Well, next on our list is actually the person who just was advised by his lawyer to not say anything. And that's Mark McGuire. He wow. had a career 263 average, which is not like super amazing. But his on-base percentage was 394. Uh, his slugging percentage is 588. 584 home runs. I mean, that makes up for his batting average being what it was. Also on the Mitchell report. So, but again, he was one of the ones that was advised by his lawyer to say, I shouldn't talk about this, so I'm not going to.
1: I mean, there's there's no reason to there's no reason to say anything. I mean, I know it looks bad, too. I mean, it, it looks it doesn't look as bad as sitting there being like, "Nah, I didn't do that. And then it coming out that you did, but it, it just, just be like, Hey, I'm not going to talk about it until like, I probably have to. So when it came out, whether or not, you know what I mean? A lot of these guys still probably were like, ah, whatever. And they're not going to, they'll never talk about it until.
0: I mean, and I think like Sammy Sosa has done an interview, a couple interviews where he's, you know, addressed those issues and stuff like that. And, you know, and again, half of these things that they were taking at the time weren't necessarily banned, and they didn't think that they were necessarily like weren't. Some of it wasn't considered story steroids at the time. So,
1: well, that's that's what I'm saying. It was like it was so it was so a part of the game at the time. And like I can understand sitting there being like you had an call. I guess you can call it an unfair advantage, but everybody had the option to use it or not. You know what I mean? It's not like. It's not like some people weren't given the opportunity. Everybody's, everybody in the league could have juiced if they wanted to with 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 this with similar substances. So I get looking back at it now, the connotation behind it. And, everything. and obviously, you know, cheating is cheating. Having an advantage is having an advantage. But if they would have just came out and been like, this is so much a part of the game. If you want us to stop doing it, you know, we'll stop doing it. But I don't see how you can punish us now having in the past you going to make a rule about it, they make a rule about it and we'll adjust. And that's how it'll go. I mean, it's kind of like a similar situation to the sticky substances. They made a rule about it. They may have done it in the middle of the season, which was kind of a little bit janky, but they did it. And now everybody has to adjust and follow it. You know what I mean? And they're not, they're not going to go back and be like, Oh, all those guys that, that were using it, you're done. Your legacy's done. All those stats you had, they're done. There's an asterisk. There. You know what I mean? They're, they're not doing that. So, I just feel like this whole thing – I feel like because on both sides, it was like, hey, we're going to crack down on this way too hard. and Then the other side was like, no, no, I didn't do this. No, no, like they were trying to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it could have been handled.
0: Okay, next on the list, and sticking with the steroid era and the PED era is Roger Clemens. Clemens retired with a 3.12 ERA. Four thousand six hundred and seventy-two strikeouts and a record seven Cy Young awards, which he won with four different teams. Again, part of the steroid area, steroid era, and you know you could arguably say that that especially late in his career, what he was able to accomplish that late in his career could not have been done without performance-enhancing substances. One of the things I think find about Roger Clemens is that even in his tenure at Boston, that's a Hall of Fame career right there. Even if you would have retired after that, you know he obviously went on to the Yankees, the Astros, and put up great numbers with them, and you know won championships and all that. But even his Boston career was was what you'd be considered Hall of Fame in in some categories. So that's one where where I definitely almost lean back towards he put up those stats Mm -hmm. well before it's even documented that he did did PEDs, and that should be looked at.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at back at um at the ballot this past year of voting, you know him and him and Bonds were were two and three with the most votes. So obviously, I think people are still kind of on the fence with with him. Um, maybe kind of like you are. They look at those those ten years and they're like probably like you said, Hall of Fame Hall of Fame years in those ten years. And then you get into the next part of it where he is a part of that era. So you can kind of see that. You know he's at the top of that that voting list, but he's not getting over the hump. So it's definitely interesting. I'm curious to see if one day finally some of these guys get over the hump or sit in ballot purgatory forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's possible. Like I said, years down the road, the the veterans categories can do something. It'd be nice to have it done before you know, they pass on. Obviously, that's you know many many years for all of them. But you know, you'd like to be able to see yourself in there moving on next on the list and again sticking with the peds is barry bonds when 1998 ended bonds was a 290 hitter um 556 career hitter he had 411 home runs and 445 steals was part of eight all-star teams and that was just when 1998 ended then you move on to past that and that's when this again it's it's kind of a similar aspect of of Clemens where he put up these hall of fame career numbers early on in his career. And then this, the PED stuff started and he padded to his numbers, but it, it, it tarnished that a little bit, you know, obviously he's part of the only, he's the only player to be part of the 500, 500 club and the 400, 400 club. It's one where, you know, he's obviously has the record with an asterisk for most home runs, you know, by a player that's where i'm kind of on the fence i think more what bothers me about bonds though is just his arrogance about it his attitude about it and you say what you want as a player but as a person he he's always been kind of a jerk to not only the, the press but the public in general that that people that you know, support baseball and support the giants he kind of always went about about it just in a very smarmy kind of arrogant way that that me the wrong way whereas like I said with somebody like Roger Clemens wasn't necessarily you know attitude or or arrogance and he, he wasn't rude but bonds just was and so I don't know if that that'll keep him off just attitude was I
1: don't I don't think it's I don't think the attitude is keeping him off cuz I I think if he wasn't wrapped up in in the whole ED conversation then I I think he would have already been you know you talk about like bonds and clemens and sosa like those those three guys alone what they, you know what I mean, what they were able to do um, in their careers, especially when you talk about Clemens and Bonds, when you're talking about the first part of their careers before they get to that PED, uh, you know, part of their careers, that's kind of tarnishing it. They were already putting up, you know, good, good numbers to great numbers. And we don't know if they were using before, you know what I mean? Obviously we can't tell, but, um, but it's just one of those things that they'll they'll probably always be at the top of the the, the voting list, but they'll never get over that hump. So until until you're right, until maybe like the veterans committee sits down and goes like, hey, like, yes, we understand the circumstances behind it. But 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 these guys specifically, some of their numbers hopefully weren't conflated. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. the, the numbers that we think were conflated probably would be good enough to get them in anyway. So let's go ahead and put them in on that merit and have a good day. But like I said, they, they might just sit there in, in ballot purgatory until they either get kicked off or they decide to to take themselves off altogether.
0: All right, next on the list is Kurt Schilling. I this is the one that bothers me the most. He is posted a three point four six ERA, three thousand one hundred sixteen strikeouts. He's you know a world champion with the Diamondbacks and with the Red Sox. He is a leader. He's you know just a phenomenal guy but his outspoken political views have gotten him in i would say some hot water maybe you agree with him maybe you don't that's irrelevant to this conversation his numbers speak for themselves he's not part of the ped era he's he's never been anything but uh you know a a man of baseball just because he had some views on something that maybe the baseball writers association people don't agree with as a whole, that should not be keeping them off the 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 ballot. You know, you look at his stats, you know, next to Glavin and next to Maddox, they're almost identical. And those are, you know, first ballot hall of famers with 91% 97% of the votes. And now we've got Schilling saying that, you know what, this is my eighth year on the list. And guess what? Guys, take me off. I don't want to be on it. I don't. I don't care. You've obviously shown that, you know, you're in that that respect. In that, I I, so he has to be off the list, and that's just a shame that he is somebody that rightfully deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, yes, I, I get not first ballot Hall of Fame, maybe not even second ballot, but by this long, you should have been past that mark and been inducted. You know, that's that bothers me a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree that he should probably be on at this point. This year, they didn't even vote anybody <laughs> to be inducted in. So, if you're looking at the list of people that were on it to be have a chance to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, if you were only going to do one person, maybe he was the person that you put in. Like, he got really close, he got 71.1 percent. So, he was like a little less than. Than uh five percent away, or sorry, a little less than than four percent away, so it's like, I I don't know, and I I get that, I get that you want to take a totality of of a person's career, and maybe they're maybe they like to look at the outside the baseball world as well, because maybe that's important for them, and I I guess you are being inducted into, what's considered to to them into many a, a prestigious kind of organization or. or Prestigious, you want to call it like a group, (laughs) but and then maybe to them that outside stuff is is important. But you're just gonna you're gonna induct somebody into a baseball hall of fame. To me, you should induct them off of their play in baseball. Now I'll preface that by saying, obviously there are things on the outside that you can do that can prevent you from being inducted. Correct. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. But I'm saying that there's not very many things realistically that you can do that would probably keep you that would that would tarnish what you did on the field on the outside, especially having political views unless you come out to me. If you're coming out blatantly as as a discriminatory person, I can understand why they would, you know, attach that character trait and be like, well, we don't really want you a part of our group. Because-
0: yeah, I mean, if you put out racist tweets or stuff like that, or, you know, yeah. openly discriminated against something, somebody or, you know, a certain group, I, I get that. And I want to make sure that I, I say that this Kurt Schilling is the one that's arguing this fact. It's not the Baseball associations not coming out and say, we're not putting him in because of this. Oh, okay. But he- Schilling is, is arguing that that is w- one of the reasons why he's not necessarily been inducted is because of his political views so
1: okay so he he just thinks that and you know what maybe he's just feeling a certain kind of way because like you said he he did say he's like i don't even want to be on it next year i'm done like take me off get me out of here and i i guess I'll, I'll leave it on this when you are a player and you put together a career everybody thinks that they put together a good career i think that some people can look back and be like ah I didn't put together the greatest career, but I did my best. But there, most players would be like, I, I had a good career. I did a, I did a lot of good things. I played pretty well. I'm pretty proud of myself. Obviously, there's instances where I could have done better. But then you have people who are, you know, in position to be even in conversation to be in the Hall of Fame. And those guys don't need to be told that, that they had group. You know what I mean? They know it. Everybody has to look at the stats, and they can see So. I don't know why we're tiptoeing around this one, especially when they didn't induct anybody. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, correct. I mean, one person, maybe like I, I can understand not doing bonds. I can understand not doing Clemens or Sosa or, you know, some of the others that were part of that PED era. Like I can understand that stigma behind it, but this one, this one definitely to me is, is kind of, was really the only like big snub from this year on this list. When I was looking at it, like I was like that probably that probably should have gotten done.
0: And then to be asked to be taken off the ballot when it's plausible that next year they he could get the seventy five percent. So and I don't I haven't read anything where they have said, Okay, yeah, we'll we'll take you off. No, no worries, good, you know. So I don't I they could do it again next year and you know, keep put him on there and, and he doesn't really have a choice in that. So um if you do know that information, put it in the comments on, on Instagram and our, and Facebook and let us know if uh, that did happen or not. All right, moving on, we've talked about snubs, we've talked about you know all that, but we're actually gonna, the last two that we're gonna talk about are talking about bans, people that are actually banned and technically can never make it into the Hall of Fame at all. And arguably these two people are Two of the best players to ever play the game of baseball, ever. I'll start with the first one. Joe Jackson, also known as Shoeless Joe Jackson, was one of the eight members of the 1919 Chicago White Sox that threw the World Series and received a lifetime ban because of it. He was arguably the greatest player of all time. Again, stats before then were phenomenal. All that he's been immortalized in movies and books, you know, field of dreams, all that stuff. He is permanently banned and will never make it to the Hall of Fame. And that's kind of a tragedy because he, like I said, was one of probably one of the greatest players that ever have played in that era of baseball. And last on our list, and again, one of the reasons why we're having this conversation thanks to Preston was Pete Rose. Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle, Mr. Red. You know, just a phenomenal guy. 4,256 hits. It's a major league record. I think that even in a 150 years, we're not going to see that again. Three-time World Series champ. 17-time All-Star. Two gold gloves. NL Rookie of the Year in 63 and MVP in 75. But he was banished from baseball in 1989 for betting his team. Now, this is... Uh, an argument that I'm not a hundred percent against or for Rose says he never bet against his team. he never as a he said also said he never bet as a player he only bet as a and that he never bet against his team he liked to bet on basketball he liked to bet on everything but when he did bet on baseball he bet on the Reds to win in an interview with the Dan Patrick Show in two thousand seven I believe you know Rose said I bet on my team every night. I didn't bet on my team four nights a week. I bet on my team to win every night because I love my team. I believed in my team. I did everything in my power every night to win that game. Now, the rule says uh, if you bet, it doesn't say it for or against. It's another device by Pete Rose to try to excuse what he did. But when you bet, it's done. His financial interest was ahead of the Reds, regardless of winning or losing period.
1: I can see that argument. I can, I can see that, you know, why they wouldn't like that. But at the same time, it's like, it's not like he was on a, you know what I mean? It's not like he was on a bad team. It's not like you were sitting there. Like, oh, we were losing every night because we were garbage. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to go bet against the team. You know what I mean? Put all my money down every single night that we're going to lose because I know that we're, you know, dog doo doo, but like, and we don't know, you know what I mean? He could say that he bet for them to win every single time, but we be like, "Well, I trust you because you're a good person." Yeah,
0: and, and that's one of the things that the Major League Baseball said. Well, we don't have any proof of that for or against. If we had definitive proof that you didn't bet against them, and that you, you know, but there is no definitive proof that you did or not. It's basically yeah. we're taking their word.
1: Yeah, it's that. It's that purposeful. That really. But I mean, it's not like when you look back at his career, it's not like he. Like, he had a good career. <laughs>
0: like, he had, he had, I mean, I one sad. of the, probably one of the greatest baseball players of all time.
1: Yeah. Like, it's not, I mean, it's, it's like today. If, like, if, if, like, Mike Trout was found, at, you know what I mean? We're getting towards the end of his career and, and they found out that he was betting, you know, on, on Angels game. And it's like, it's like there's, there's no way that he was betting for them to lose. And he was going out there. Even if he was betting for them to lose, it's not like he went out there and played bad because he's one of the most consistent you know baseball players of all time I and mean, we some people talk about him as being the greatest baseball player of all time because of how consistently good he is so it's like there's 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 just too much going on people are worried about a little bit too much let's just get down the nitty-gritty of it, place in baseball and have fun but i mean that's weird that's a weird one and you and nobody thinks to save their receipts like you're like i don't want to receive
0: especially when you're betting with a bookie and you know what i mean it's yeah you know it's it's a lot more um i don't want to say digitized nowadays with Mm -hmm. everything's being you know with DraftKings and all this stuff that we (laughs) have that you can it's it's whereas you know back then even you know late 80s it was calling you know joey down the street and and placing your bets you know Mm -hmm. So it was just a little different than than it is now.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I mean, and plus, like most players, like they kind of just they kind of get into that like sports betting world when they're done with sports. You know? I, I mean, I, the only people that like I know that bet on themselves or or whatever, like like UFC boxers, MMA. Like they they bet on themselves a lot. Like I forget who it was who put like a couple million down on himself to win a fight this past year.
0: Did yeah, Charles Barkley did some parlay bet he. Uh, was in some golf tournament over the weekend and there was some parlay bet where he didn't necessarily have to win, but he had to like be in the, like the top five or something like that. And he's like, yeah, I put 20 grand down. That's an easy bet. I can make the top five. Like, why not? <laughs> so like, okay. That's, you know, like, so it, it's out there. All right. So let us know what you guys think. Uh, you could comment on our posts on Facebook, Instagram and all that. Let us know if you agree with any of these. Did we miss somebody? And let us know. So switching gears completely from potential Hall of Famers to five up-and-coming stars that we think are going to be the future of baseball and what they've accomplished so far in in the minor leagues and what they could possibly do in the majors. Start off with Wander Franco. He's a shortstop for Tampa Bay. He's a switch-hitting shortstop. He hits for average, he hits for power, 83 walks and just 54 strikeouts in 768 pro plate appearance. So he's obviously shown outstanding plate discipline and contact skills, and he's just going to be you know, a future. He's got a, a good young team in Tampa Bay. They're one and a half behind the Red Sox for the AL East. Uh, they're They're definitely contenders. So... Second on the list is Julio Rodriguez. He's an outfielder for Seattle. He's the, you know, middle of the, the lineup type of big league hitter that could easily hit 300 home runs a year. He's just he's a beast at the plate. Done a lot of good stuff in the minor leagues and somebody who I think is definitely going to show up in the next few years. Third on my list is Jared Kelenic, an outfielder for Seattle, uh, the breakout season in 2019 in the double A's, um, 219, 23 home runs, 20 stolen bases, just a solid guy, definitely going to be uh, you know, a player to, to watch in the future for Seattle. Fourth on my list is CJ Abrams, he's a shortstop out of San Diego, stellar pro debut in 2019, with a 393 average, a 647, I believe, slugging percentage, and had more stolen bases than he had strikeouts. He only had 15 stolen bases, but he struck out only 14 times and all those. So that was a pretty good career. So, pretty good stats for that so far. And last on my list is Oddly Rushman. He's a catcher out of Baltimore, Double uh, A program. He was the number one pick in the two thousand nineteen m o b draft he's a golden spikes dick Hauser award recipient phenomenal behind the plate He's definitely a catcher that is going to be getting gold gloves all of his career and if if he lives up to the potential that you know we all think he is going to they have an all star catcher you know behind the plate for years so what what did your list uh, come about then
1: so it's going to be i I, it's not really in any particular order, but I do have a uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. out of, uh, with the Padres kind of came out of nowhere past couple of years. And then obviously he had his really good season last year. And then he's having another phenomenal season this year again. And I just think that he is going to be, you know, the face of the MLB going forward. Obviously the MLB needs to do a much better job of branding their, their faces of the league because of, You know how poorly they've done it with Mike Trout over the past probably, you know, eight years or more. But but I do think that he is going to be like he's going to be like you know the next face of the league for the next eight eight to six years. (laughs) He's going to be the next face of the league for the next like eight to ten years, and and I do think he's that good. I think he's that consistent. If he can stay consistent and he doesn't get caught up in the whole "I just need to hit dingers every single day." Next, I do have Juan Soto with the Nationals. I think he's a little bit older. Um, but again, just another young guy who's done it for like, you know, two or three years now, been pretty consistent, been pretty good. And then I have Lewis Robert with the White Sox, Ronald Acuna Jr. With the Braves, Dustin May with the Dodgers. And he's a relief pitcher. And then Kyle Lewis with the Mariners. So again, a lot of these guys are still, I think, pre 25. Um, so they still have a long career ahead of them because a lot of guys play <laughs> until they're like almost 40 or past 40 at this point in baseball. So they have a really long career ahead of them, and I do think that they're they've shown consistency over the past couple of years, like I said, and that was just kind of my I guess my requirements for my list. <laughs> I don't know
0: well, we've definitely discussed you know three different aspects of of baseball tonight, talking about guys that are hall of famers and have had con- phenomenal careers, talking about guys who are still playing in the minors but are about to come up and make a big splash, and then guys that have made it to the majors and are are doing those things that everybody wanted them and knew they could do in showing up and could potentially be hall of famers if those career trajectories continue to go that way. So that's, that's a, you know, pretty good thing to think about, you know, all these different aspects of, of careers, you know, the potential, the past and the current, and that's, that's fun to watch. And baseball has been fun to watch a lot lately. Yeah. So talking about one of the guys on your list unfortunately ronald acuna jr will not be having a remainder of the 2021 career or 21 season the atlanta star tore his acl in his right knee and will miss the rest of the season is expected to be out for at least nine to ten months and that's just horrible he's at the plate he is a phenomenal player phenomenal person um everything i've read about him one of those players that all the team wants to be around and he's a good clubhouse guy and so that's that's really sad to to hear that that happened and that he'll be out for the remainder of the season
1: yeah I mean that's again as deep dive sports resident ACL terror it's not fun (laughs) so and 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 kind of being so deep into the season now he's probably going to miss a little bit of next season probably a couple months into it and like, if I was them with how young he is, I wouldn't push it. I'd, I'd tell him, you know, cause standard wise, like for the normal person who doesn't have like all the training staff and, and, and you know, all that, they, they're not going to be able to spend every single day, you know, rehabbing it normally takes like almost a full year to really get back to your normal self. So like, if I'm them, I know normally it's like about nine months, but I, I might push that, that 10 or 11 months, you know what I mean? It, it might suck not having them for a couple of months or two, but you're going to have them for, you know, another years.
0: years. Yeah.
1: So it's one of those things that you want to make sure he gets right. You want to make sure he gets his confidence back. Cause that's a big thing too, is when you tear a ligament in anywhere in your body, you lose that confidence. So for him being so young, he needs to get that confidence back because if he plays timid, then you're going to get hurt again. And, and, Take it from experience. I did it three times because I played timid three times. So, you know what I mean? You, you look at Derrick Rose, He, you know what I mean? He played timid. He kept getting hurt because you just don't have that confidence back. It it just messes with it. So, but, yeah, Whoa. that's super unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Well, here at Deep Dive Sports, we definitely wish him a speedy recovery. And thanks for everything that he's done, uh, not only for his team, but for, for baseball in general. Well, that is about it. We'll wrap it up. Again, um, my name is Greg. I'm here with Nick. And thank you for listening to On Decks presented by Deep Dive Sports.
1: Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any updates. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.